Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. And this is a show where we are going to be talking about Sundance Film Festival. And we're going to be previewing 12 films that are going to be premiering at the Sundance Film Festival. And hopefully uh, they will end up being amazing. <laughs> we'll have a great time. Uh, but I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. And today I have with me a fellow film critic, Justin Waldman, is here. And he's going to be participating in the festival as well. And uh, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Yes, is this your first time? Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us a little bit about what you do. So I'm Justin Waldman. I write for a small little site called iCrave Network, which is iCrave.net. Um, the owner, Shane, was running it back in 2000, took a little bit of a break and came back on the scene just last year. So I'm joining the team as a fresh writer. And um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Last year we covered Fantastic Fest, which was a blast. This year we're looking, we're covering Sundance. We're I did Sundance out of pocket last year. It was a blast. Then there were a lot of ton of great movies I saw last year. Some of which still don't have distribution today. So I'm really excited to see what Sundance has to offer this year. And I've been in the writing business and critiquing movies for the past decade or so. If I had to take a guess at it. Mm-hmm. Was that but, your um, first year covering the festival? Covering Sundance, yeah. This will mm-hmm. be my second Sundance. I haven't been nice. able to make it out in person yet, just for money restraints and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I live in Utah, so I have been able to attend the festival uh, since 2016 was my first year uh, at the festival. And uh, it's been challenging this year because uh, Sundance decided to to not refund the people that had, you know, that had spent the money on their in-person packages, including myself. And that was, it's just been a little bit harder to get into the spirit of things when they haven't treated us fairly, at least in my opinion. And I, I, th- I feel like that it's just because they're a nonprofit doesn't mean that they can take people's money on good faith and then not provide the service that people had paid for. Uh, and, uh, and they, the best that they've done is they offered a hundred dollar credit for the coming year or five free tickets. So I actually have, I actually have tickets to 39 things <laughs> because of all of the tickets that I've gotten, because I had my, my press tickets, my past tickets, plus five additional <laughs> so it's oh, kind wow. of crazy but um yeah i think so go on no it's just it's just not right for them to take people's money and not offer the product that they promised to provide I, I haven't had anything else in this pandemic where people have refused to give uh refunds uh for products that have been purchased i i, I don't think it's right and it, it has made it harder for me to kind of get in the spirit of things and be excited about things when you feel like you weren't treated fairly. I do get that, but yeah, I, I, I do get that. It's definitely a tricky situation. They, they, they find themselves between a rock and a hard place. I'm finding. I, I personally was on the side of anyone who bought the festival package at full price of that $750 price point should have just been given an all access pass. Yeah. Um, they were given, uh, if you got these, if you got the full price, then you were given 10 tickets, which is still 
not a it's 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 not a it's not a equal <laughs> thing. But anyway, we don't need to talk all about that. But uh, you know, people purchased in person passes expecting to be able to go in person uh and and get a hybrid. They were promised a hybrid, so they were promised online and uh, in person, and then they were only given in person and an additional ten tickets when that's not it's not what they paid for. And so it's very frustrating, but it's not the fault of the filmmakers. So I'm trying to put that aside and just be, uh, be focusing on the filmmakers and their products. Cause it's not fair to hold them accountable for, for some Sundance stealing all of our stealing our money. But anyway, let's move on. Um, so we, I, I had you pick six movies that you were looking forward to, and then I picked six that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to some of the ones that you picked as well, but we're going to talk about 12 movies that we hope will be good. Uh, and if you're listening, if you have uh, movies that you are looking forward to that we don't mention, please put in the comments. I would love to hear that. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I always say sort of Sundance giveth and taketh because, there's there's always going to be some terrible films and then always some really great ones. And last year, famously, there was an entire movie about a tree. Which movie was that? It was called, oh, what was it called? Um, uh, I, um, I was a documentary and I thought it sounded kind of interesting, um, but it, it had no no like context at all like no talking heads nobody explained it was just following the tree <laughs> the documentary about a tree it was a tree <laughs> that sounds terrible it was so bad it made my worst of the year list it's yeah. called taming the garden <laughs> i'm good <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about <laughs> your first choice. You had um, Micah or Mika, and it's um. It's the summary Micah, is yeah. thing. Yeah, things could be better for eight-year-old Hung, who is grieving the loss of his mother, who died a year ago. His relationship with his father is strained. His best friend is moving away, and to top it all off, a greedy landlord is bullying his father to force them out of their apartment. He finds solace by watching the night sky from the roof of his apartment building. One night, he witnesses a meteor shower and an errant falling star that lands in the nearby countryside. He investigates, but instead of finding a fallen star, he meets a new friend, and he decides to do everything he can to help her. So this is a Vietnamese sci-fi film. Uh, and uh, yeah, what is has you most excited about this film? I mean, just from the description alone and the fact that it's not constricted to typical North American filming standards and they can do so much more with it, I find, especially with foreign films that want to go like out of that ballpark of the norm, especially the sci-fi genre, this just screams like E.T. in a sense to me that meets Chronicle. And I'm just so excited for what that can be. Mm -hmm. Because like, first of all, like, there's so it's so rare to find child stars that can also steal a scene. So if these two kids in the movie give it their all and just go all out and can deliver what the director envisioned with the premise of like 
an alien befriends this eight-year-old boy who falls from the sky in this like trippy looking sci-fi film i feel like it could be like one of those uncovered gems that like unless someone massive gets behind it you're probably also never going to see it outside of a festival setting which is Mm -hmm. always what i want to look for when i do festivals like stuff that has like distribution or stuff that played elsewhere that's going to eventually get picked up is great at all but i always want to like try and find those like fun little interesting things that never see a, a wider release that are very hard to come by and you won't be able to see in the near future like there was something that played Fantastic Fest last year that hasn't gone picked up that I missed and I really regret it because everything I read from reactions online afterwards sounded great. The description sounded great. It just sounded like a really fun movie, but it's so genre specific and so like niche that I that didn't get picked up. And I'm just, I always try to look for that like fun little topic and that fun little movie that might go somewhere or like might start someone's career too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always love that as well. Because if you look, the premieres are usually the ones that you can you're going to get to see in theaters that are going to come, um, and then so you want to look for the features that aren't premieres. Those are the ones that uh, are going to be more unique and may end up getting a release, may not. I mean, I always talk about. Back in 2018, I saw a movie called Butterflies, which was a Turkish film, and I would do anything for them to release this film. I I look for it all the time. Every once in a while, I look just to see if maybe it got released, but uh, maybe in Turkey you can find it, but nowhere else. Uh, it was so funny. I absolutely loved it, uh, and it won like jury prizes and stuff at the festival, but it's never gotten released. So oh, yeah, wow. that's a a good point to to take the chance when you have to see those uh especially international features yeah and like look at last year's uh sundance feature of on the canada three with christopher abbott like what happened to that yeah that's it, true and i um i forget the director's name to be one second it was uh jared carmichael who also co-stars with christopher abbott and just like did you see it last year sundance what was it called on the can of three? No, I didn't. I so think it's, it's maybe one of my favorite, like coming of age, but like unapologetic coming of age stories. And it just no one has it. Like, there's no reason for this movie to be sitting on the shelf somewhere, but it is. And it just boggles my mind because it was so great. Like, universally, like everyone who saw it universally loved it, and it just went nowhere. So it sh- it goes to show you that just like. Especially with the oh, pandemic, yeah. like who knows where stuff's going to end up and what edits are going to happen to it. And if it becomes a whole different beast by the time it comes out, even. I remember seeing, seeing that. And I mean, and sometimes it takes, it takes a while. Like um, there was a movie uh, that finally came out last year called Monster, which I saw at, I saw at Sundance, I think in, 2018 i mean it took that long 19 maybe i can't remember but it took multiple years before and that was surprising too because it had like jennifer hudson in it it had like a pretty uh, i mean it wasn't that great of a movie so that's probably part of it but but um uh but still you think just with the cast that it would have gotten a release sooner um but uh but yeah some of these movies you won't see for a long time if they do get released at all 
Um, but when I when I read the uh, the summary for uh, Mika or Mika, uh, I it reminded me a lot of Midnight Special. Did yeah, you ever see that with Jeff oh, Nichols. Yeah, Jeff Nichols and Michael Shannon. It's mm-hmm. yes, so Midnight Special. You're absolutely right. That that's hitting the nail right on the head there. Yeah. So that made me excited. Which is also and, a great movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really like. I think it's underrated, and um. Yeah, and speaking of movies that that got released in festivals, I just saw the trailer for the um, the Fallout uh, came yeah. today, which was a great movie at South by Southwest last year, and it's going to be on HBO Max. So I hope people hope people watch it because it was really good. Oh, it's fantastic, and that's another thing too. Like so much is going to streaming that like it gets lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you yeah. kind of got to like find these movies and just word of mouth to like keep your eye out for wherever it ends up landing. Yeah. So my first pick of one I'm excited for is called fresh. And this is frustrated by scrolling dating apps only to end up on lame, tedious dates. Noah takes a chance by giving her number to the awkwardly charming Steve after a produce section meet cute at the grocery store. During a subsequent date at a local bar, sassy banter gives way to chemistry laden, a chemistry laden hookup and a smitten Noah dares to hope that she might've actually found a real connection with the dashing cosmetic surgeon. She accepts Steve's invitation to an impromptu weekend getaway only to find that her new paramour has been hiding some unusual appetites. So that one sounds pretty crazy to me. Uh, fun. I mean, I, it sounds like it's going to maybe have a little bit of a, a horror rom-com kind of meshing sort of to me. Um, yeah. I think it's part of the horror section this year. Yeah. So it stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. Uh, and uh, I think it could be pretty fun. What do you think about this one? Oh, this is definitely all one of my most anticipated movies as well. Like, it sounds like an absolute blast. I always love the midnight stuff they put out. Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones, they just, their chemistry, like, just leaks through that first picture I saw even. Like, yeah. it just looks like it's going to be such a fun little ridiculous horror movie. It just, I, I like, nothing's been given away, which is great. I, I like that there's no trailer for this yet because I feel like, like most modern horror movies, the trailer will give away the big twist. And I just yeah. feel like this is going to go all out. I'm a little upset that it's already been picked up and it's coming out later in March. I was hoping to like be able to like simmer in it. So like it definitely has money behind it now and how people believe in it. Cause I think it would star Fox, Fox searchlight released it. Um, picked mm-hmm. it up. So it definitely Wait. like has that power behind it now. Yeah. At least it's not one of the ones where, uh, where like Netflix is releasing it the week of the festival. You're like, why, oh, why right? would yeah. you give the, they have these precious spots. Why on earth would you give them to something coming out for like 99% of people attending the festival on Netflix? So you give them that, that spot. I, I mean, it, it just, it was kind of frustrating, especially in, in um, 2019 uh, when the Taylor Swift documentary came out, uh, the, the I had the Grand Pass the, that that year, which is one of the um one of the buildings so you can watch movies. I had the Grand Pass, and as part of our tickets, we had two airings of 
the Taylor Swift documentary that was airing that week on Netflix. And I'm like, all the things that you could have given me, you're giving me two times taking up two of my ticket spots for something that I could watch on Netflix that week anyway. <laughs> it was so annoying. Yeah. Like, Fresh came into the festival with nobody and Searchlight bought it after it was announced. So that's one thing. But, yeah, I don't like it when, like, I buy these festival tickets and, like, I, I plan a schedule around certain titles and they get picked up and it's that week. Like, March is one thing. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't want to see anything at Sundance that opens in February. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of a shame because this, the Sundance Film Festival used to be the place that like you made a, a movie out of your, you know, your truck and with your friends, like there was, yeah. it, it used to have that kind of, now it's like, it feels like it's 80% Netflix and Amazon and <laughs> maybe not I that feel much, like that's it feels like a lot. Like- yeah, I feel like that's also part two because it's not for profit and they need the movies that will like pay the bigger bucks to come in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. get those people to come down and like support the festival, which I get, but at the same time, like I want to see stuff that, that's quieter. Yeah, and also that I do feel like they have been getting some of the cons, uh, uh, Cons leftovers. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's yeah. harsh too, but but uh, I I just it would be nice if they kind of got back to their original mission a little bit more sometimes. Yeah, like definitely smaller titles like Micah. Mm, yeah. All right. Uh, so your next one is one of those cons <laughs> films. Yeah. Uh, it's called After Yang, and this is an A twenty four film as well. And it's uh, when Yang, a lifelike artificially intelligent android that Jake and Kira buy as a companion for their adopted daughter, abruptly stops functioning. Jake just wants him repaired quickly and cheaply. But having purchased Yang certified refurbished from a now defunct store, he's led first to a conspiracy theorist technician and then a technology museum curator who discovers that Yang was actually recording memories. Jake's quest eventually becomes one of existential introspection and contemplating his own life as it passes him by. And this stars Colin Farrell, Jodie Turner-Smith, and Haley Lou Richardson. Uh, what are you excited about this one? I mean, for the last 10 <laughs> years, every A24 movie I've seen, with the exception of like a handful, has left an impact on me. There's like the odd thing I don't love. I know I'm very much in the minority. I don't really like a ghost story. I'm very Which in the one? minority on that. A ghost story with Casey Affleck. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not the biggest fan, but A24 just keeps knocking stuff out of the park. They're, it's like, I don't even read things about A24 movies anymore. I try to avoid the posters, the trailers, all of it. I just see the signature A24 like marketing for it. And I'm like, I'm in. There's nothing that gets me more excited than an A24 movie because they just deliver the most out there wildest stuff. Like, yeah, and you know that if you see an A24 film, you know that at the very least, even if you don't care for it, you're going to be intrigued. It's going to exactly. have something. Like, there's always something holding me there. It's like, this This is like going to be good. I don't know if I'm going to love it. I, I won't necessarily, I don't think I've ever hated an A24 movie. 
but there's just something always about them that everyone gives it their all. The everything is is built around whatever the screenwriters and directors want to envision. It feels like it's just passion product after passion project filled mm -hmm. with greatness and performances and just so much fun and energy and just pizzazz to their movies. Like it could be something as stripped down as like ghost story or something as absolutely insane as Dola. Right. Yeah. yeah and just, with this cast, that's got to get excited too with Colin Farrell. And, oh um, yeah. Colin Farrell, yeah. Jody Turner-Smith and Haley Lee Richardson, like the cast is stellar. Mm -hmm. And the premise as well, like going and like having this certain, like this new person kind of like in this Yang, it, it, it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, going to be an interesting take on, <laughs> on cloning so, and whatnot. Yeah. It's like Ron's gone wrong, but like really wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my next choice is Fire of Love. And this is a documentary. I tend to really enjoy the documentaries at Sundance. Um, I, uh, I, I usually watch quite a few of them. Um, and this one just sounded interesting to me. It's um, uh, Katia and Maurice Kraft loved two things, each other and volcanoes. For two decades, the daring French volcanologist couple were seduced by the thrill and danger of the elemental love triangle of this elemental love triangle. They roamed the planet chasing eruptions and their aftermath, documenting their discoveries in stunning photographs and breathtaking film to share with an increasingly curious public in media appearances and lecture tours. Ultimately, Katia and Maurice would lose their lives during a 1991 volcanic explosion on Japan's Mount Unzen, but they would leave a legacy that would forever enrich our knowledge of the natural world. So I just think that, I mean, I love love stories and I, I, I love documentaries about interesting people and uh, it sounds fascinating and beautiful. And uh, so I'm curious about it. I think it, it hopefully will be good. Hopefully not oh, yeah, a tree movie. <laughs> it, it definitely sounds interesting, has a lot going for it. Like yeah. a love story mixed with volcanoes that sounds very out of the box per se. Mm -hmm. Like not your typical like single subject um, documentary. So it definitely sounds like an intriguing choice. Yeah. Are you um are you signed up for any documentaries? I am. Um off the top of my head, I know I'm watching Cosby, and I selected that before it got announced. I was picked up by Showcase to release literally days after the festival. Mm, yeah. Um, I wanted that one just seems so depressing to me. I just, I love the Cosby does. show. It just makes me and sad. Four hours of just watching them dissect everything. Like, it's just a fascination at this point. Like, did you see the six-hour OJ doc? Yes. That was great. And it's like everything. Yeah, it was good. Everything you, we like, we all know about OJ. There's nothing not known about OJ unless you like live under a rock kind of thing. Right. But somehow over six hours, like you still were so engaged in everything that was being told to you. And it was just so interesting. I think that the same way that it's going to be in this Cosby doc, like we know everything, everything's out there. It's just, 
it's going to be so interesting to see these takes and the rest of the cast and the Cosby Show and everyone talk about it. And I was very intrigued to see what they do with the documentary as a whole. And I hope they don't brush over anything and really just like hone in on what they need to do and do it justice. Mm-hmm. They probably can't with be four hours. I don't imagine they would miss much. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so your next one that we were going to talk about is Resurrection. And this is, once there was a woman named Margaret whose life was under control. She was disciplined and vigilant, which made her strong and made her successful. It made her able to raise her daughter, Abby, all by herself. Soon, Abby will be going off to a fine university just as planned, everything was under control. That is until David, a monster from her past, comes back. And this stars Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth. And what has you excited about this one? Tim Roth. <laughs> Tim <laughs> Roth is just great. Um, he's been branching out of like into more like I find like indie things that aren't like huge big budget for him anymore, which is great. Like, um, I think Bergman Island just hit streaming somewhere, and I saw that at the Toronto International Film Festival last year, and it was great. It was just, yeah. it was very, like, soft-spoken, just very well done, and Tim always, like, gives 130% every performance. It just seems that this movie's, like, that psychological, psychological drama that I really wanted Woman in the Window to be that just absolutely missed the buck by about 300 miles. So I, I'm very excited to see this development of characters and how they interact and what this sinister monsterish description of Tim Roth's character really ends up being. And I, I hope it's not just like the worst divorce ever. Yeah. I also enjoyed Bergman Island and I like Tim Roth and Rebecca Hall. I also really enjoy, I really liked her uh, movie, Christine a, a, yeah. a couple of years ago. I thought that was, uh, a very um, a, a very good movie about show uh, portraying mental illness, but from such a like a, a flawed, confusing, complicated character. Uh, I've told a lot of people that if you like Joker, I think that you should see Christine because I think the two movies cover almost they're very 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 similar in my opinion. Um, and uh, um, but I think that uh, Christine is better in my opinion uh so anyway yeah i think that that uh, is an interesting cast and uh should be a pretty it should be a pretty good movie i think yeah all i right. think they'll be able to play together really well yeah all right my next one is called the cow who sang a song into the future and just that title i've got to watch it it just sounds fun <laughs> just that title um but it's it's in a river in the south of Chile. Fish are dying due to pollution from the nearby cellulose factory. Amid their floating bodies, long deceased Magdalena bubbles up to the surface, gasping for air, bringing with her old wounds and a wave of family secrets. The shocking sight of Magdalena sends her widowed husband into turmoil and prompts their daughter Cecilia to return home to the family's dairy farm. There, Magdalena's presence reverberates among her family, instigating fits of laughter and despair in equal measure with everyone but Cecilia's eldest child, who seeks her grandmother's love and unconditional understanding during a time of transition. So, what do you think about this one? Do you think it sounds fun? 
It's on my list of my 36 movies I think I've seen, but that description alone is what sold me. Yeah. Like, this just sounds so captivating. And it just sounds like it's going to be a movie that sits and lingers with you for either eternity or something you instantly forget. I don't feel like there's going to be a middle Mm -hmm. ground on this. And it could be one of the sleepers of the festival. Like, it, it just has so much potential to be one of those movies that just carries and sits with you for so long that you can't yeah. stop thinking about it. I agree. And it definitely feels like one of those ones that if you don't watch it at the festival, you'll probably never get to see it because it doesn't have any stars and it is a Chilean film. And uh, so, you know, definitely take, I, I think it's worth taking the chance to see it when you, oh, when you have it. Yeah. All right. Next up for you is the movie called Summering. It's the waning days of summer for four friends, Dinah, Lola, Daisy, and Mary, who will be soon going their separate ways when they start middle school. While planning how to spend their last weekend together, they stumble across a mystery that takes them on a life-changing adventure. The friends make a series of discoveries that are as much about solving the mystery as they are about learning the hard truths of growing up. And this is directed by James Ponsolt, who did End of the Tour and The Spectacular Now. So what are you most excited? James Ponsolt. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he, in my personal opinion of everything he's done, like, as a feature... Like spectacular now, smash off the block. They're all great. End of the tour. He's had one miss in my opinion, and that's the circle. And this scene and Semmering seems like he's just going back to his roots. This seems very much like a younger version of the spectacular now. And mm, he did I the saw, circle. Oh dear. Yeah, he he definitely took a misstep there. I don't <laughs> I don't know how you go from end of the tour and spectacular now to the circle. Like such a transition of style and storytelling, but I'm hoping this is more like Spectacular Now and End of the Tour, like just movies that just sit with you. Like yeah. when I saw Spectacular Now, I, I still think about it on occasion. Like Shailene Woodley's performance in that just, just shook me to my core, and it's just such a great movie. Mm-hmm. Just this kind yeah, of really... stories when they're done right. Yeah, like, I really like Spectacular Now as well, and uh, I think this sounds really good uh, it seems like they got a good crop of child actors uh and uh so yeah i i think this is one that would be on on almost everyone's most anticipated list yeah this could be like eighth grade meets spectacular now which if you don't like either of those movies then in my opinion you don't like cinema <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well my next is called dos estaciones sorry for my terrible pronunciation but it's amid picturesque red dirt blue sky and green agave field stands dos estaciones a once majestic tequila factory uh, struggling to stay afloat at the helm of the plants reigns maria garcia heir to the family business and beacon to the townspeople she employs. To help oversee the company's administration, Maria appoints an eager woman named Rafaela, whose vibrant presence generates much-needed hope in 
a home thirsty for a miracle. When a persistent plague and an unexpected flood cause irreversible damage, Maria is focused to do everything she can to save her community's main source of economy and pride. So this movie, I feel like, could go one of two ways. It could be really good or it could be really boring. So I hope it's on the good side. It sounds, I think it sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. But with everything with the current world landscape, I, I'm, I don't know if I want to watch something that could just end in sheer heartbreak from like a documentary <laughs> standpoint. Because it's hard to shake like with, with the feature films and everything in that nonfiction realm it's easier to just be like this is a story these aren't real people not none of this actually happened to them yeah but knowing that like these people are truly being affected if it if it goes like the downward churn that it, the, the synopsis at least makes it sound like it's not going to be that happy ending that they're not they might not accomplish their goal and they might lose everything and just we need some levity in these times, and I just—I'm trying to steer clear of stuff like that. But it definitely does sound interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So your next one is called Emily the Criminal, and this I think is a premiere. Um, this is Emily is saddled with student debt and looked out uh, and, and locked out of the job market due to a minor criminal record. Desperate for income, she takes a shady gig as a dummy shopper buying goods with stolen credit cards supplied by a middleman named Youssef. Uh, faced with a series of dead-end job interviews, Emily soon finds herself seduced not only by the quick cash and illicit thrills of, of black market capitalism, but also by her ardent mentor, Youssef. And this stars Aubrey Plaza. Uh, and uh, I'm guessing that's one of the big reasons you're looking forward to. Does that, is that yeah, true? <laughs> I, I will see anything with Aubrey Plaza. She is just an absolute gift to cinema. She is always funny always on point she can do she can do no wrong like she can do the sweet sensitive role she can do the absolutely hilarious stuff she could play either very dumb characters like i don't want to degrade april from parks and rec but she's not the smartest tool in the shed and just to like just very powerful roles and she's just always on point like everything aubrey does is just filled with fun and sometimes like if like looking at like other things you're seeing, like if you're seeing heavy things, like she's just a breath of fresh air. She just she knows how to have fun. Mm-hmm. Everything like the synopsis, like she just she has a one smudge on her record. And she can't get an actual career, so she decides to go back to the record and just dummy people out by being a personal shopper. It just sounds like it sounds like the better version of Bling Ring to an extent, even though that's completely yeah. like almost different story of people just being robbed but kind of what she's doing and just she's always just fun like i've never been disappointed with an Aubrey plaza performance i don't plan on being disappointed by her performance in this even if the movie isn't great in of itself aubrey always just like nails everything she's just she's a bundle of joy Mm -hmm. yeah i really enjoyed her in ingrid goes west i think that movie was very underrated and I I think that it was such an interesting look at at what how how we, how we have absolutely well how we have nothing to help people with a mental health crisis basically that 
we just sort of, we just sort of leave them. And, uh, and, uh, I, I, it, it, it was funny. It was clever. It was sad. It kind of had it all. I thought it was great. Um, and so, uh, she does have a history of some really intriguing indie, you know, films. Yeah. Uh, like, and, exactly. And even, like Ingrid goes west, yeah. like you said, and then like on the exact opposite end of that spectrum, well, still an indie doing something like the little hours. Mm-hmm. Like being right. able to play this, this character who's so mentally unstable and, and obsessive to just play this like deranged horny mm-hmm. nun. True. Like, and her and range she... is like, her, her range ahead. is like all in character and whatnot. And, always have has these like moments to her and like even with like black bear which i believe played somewhere 2019 2020 i'm not mm-hmm. sure where but again like that's a movie where she does that character change and doesn't play like the great comic relief and she does this very serious role and almost mm-hmm. like it, it, it's nice to see her break away and do these serious things while also like having fun with them too yeah, and she's even done like romantic comedies like Happiest Season. Uh she was yeah. a lot of people wanted her to end up with Kristen Stewart not. <laughs> well, that would have been the better choice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so. All right. So, my next choice, my last choice, uh oh no, my next choice is called Blood. And this is Widow Chloe travels to Japan for work where she is welcomed by an old friend, uh Toshi. Sliding between the melancholy of loss and the awe of perspectives changed, Chloe wanders uh, an unfamiliar landscape where love has carved all the guiding grooves. Blood explores the site where fragile love can emerge from a immovable pain. When with quiet restraint, fresh rhythm, and unforgettably rich performances, this subtly subtle study of togetherness and a and apartness captures the vibrancy of eternal internal life. Uh, <laughs> you challenge me on this summary here. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but, uh, but anyway, the reason why I'm looking forward to this one is I really like romances and it sounds really sweet. And I think it will be a nice break from all the like heavy films that you watch at Sundance to have one that at least it sounds like it's a sweet romance like it, it does if there are going to be uh some deeper themes and everything but i think it'll just be a nice little break from so, everything i was intrigued in this but that's where we disagree i i think it's going to be very happy i i think it's going to have like the romance as a back plot and it's going to be this very heavy forward plot mm-hmm. i'm not sure where it's going to go it just for me, it would be at the end of my festival on like day nine after scene 33, I think, at that time where I could have fit it in. And I just, I didn't yeah, I mean, want anything that heavy. Like, I wanted some fun stuff down the road. I'm ending on like, say, Am I okay? And Emily the Criminal. So, yeah, it does say the, the, the well, love has emerged from immovable pain. So, <laughs> I guess that could be. But, yeah. I maybe I was uh, wishful thinking, but um, uh, 
at least it is a romance. We know that. Um, the st- subtle study of togetherness and apartness. Like, what does that even mean? I don't even know. But I, I, I'm excited for a romance. I hope it's not too heavy. Uh, we'll see. That'll be interesting. I hope so, too. I hope so. All right. Your last one is called Peggy, and it's with the summer sun beating down on her rural Spanish town. Sarah hides away in her parents' butcher shop, a teenager whose excess weight makes her the target of incessant bullying. She flees a clique of capricious girls who torment her at the town pool, only to stumble upon them being brutally kidnapped by a stranger who drives off with them in his van. When the police begin asking questions, Sarah keeps quiet, intrigued by the stranger. In interest that's mutual, she's torn from between revealing the truth and protecting the man who saved her. So this definitely sounds heavy. <laughs> this sounds so, intense. I saw a movie at Fantastic Fest called Some Like It Rare. And uh-huh. it was this French com- dark comedy about these butchers who got their shop vandalized by vegans. And then the shop owner accidentally runs the, one of the vegans who vandalized the shop over with his van, doesn't know what to do with the body and doesn't want to get caught. So he just decides to grind it. And unknowingly, his wife decides to make it into sausages because she thinks it's just oh regular meat. And their butcher shop is then saved by them only killing vegans and using them for meat. And I don't, this is like just fully in my head and completely not true. But looking at the picture Sundance provided for Piggy and reading that synopsis, I almost feel like it's a pseudo sequel to Some Like It Rare because Uh this man mysteriously kidnaps the people who've been tormenting her. She works in a butcher shop, like this unspoken, like army of butchers who band together. It's just, it's something in my head that I can't shake. It just sounds like the perfect midnighter. Like it just—it looks insane. It sounds insane. The picture is just her covered in blood. Like it looks like a very fun, bloody gore bath. And I—I'm mm. all for that. I'm all for <laughs> something that I can like jump off off my couch and start cheering at the top of my legs if something crazy happens. Like I'm—I'm I'm excited for this this movie just to destroy all expectations and just be like one of those cult horror movies that lives on forever. Yeah. It does sound like a, that kind of a midnight movie, the kind of feel. And it's a shame that we can't all watch it, you know, watch these movies together, uh, you know, for that experience. But um, hopefully. uh, I I feel like that would have slayed in the theaters. Like just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my last one is called The Mission, and it's offering an unprecedented level of access into the journeys of missionaries. The mission follows four American teens as they embark on one of the most religiously significant, ideologically challenging, and culturally unifying experiences in their community, their mission to Finland. As these young people reckon with the weight of their ambassador status, the film explores the varying ways in which their work shapes how they view themselves, the world, and their theology. Steadfast in its commitment to their perspectives, this film reveals the individuals 
behind the suits and name tags that have come to signify the work of Mormon missionaries globally. Through snubs on street corners, difficult finish lessons, triumphant baptisms, tearful goodbyes, and notorious welcomes, uh, riotous welcomes homes, the mission is a full-bodied, complex presentation of missionary life. So part of the reason why I am intrigued about this, I'm a little very nervous about it as well, is that I am a return missionary myself. Uh, and uh, so I I just hope that they are fair. I mean, it sounds like they were given access. So I think the church allowed this. It's not like some secret thing. Um, so that's intriguing. Uh, and I'm very curious to see uh, what, you know, what it is as, as somebody who served a mission, you know, I, I know the highs and lows and I, I mean, I'm expecting them to be, it's a, since it's Sundance, I'm expecting them to be hard on the church for a lot of things. That's not, that's probably deserved. Um, but, uh, I hope it's not just a, a complete smear fest. Um, you know, just, I don't know. I hope it's fair. That's, that's what I hope. Um, but I'm intrigued to see what it is. It, it's definitely an intriguing, intriguing doc. And I do hope it's fair as well. I Sundance politics aside and, and politics aside, I don't, Sundance doesn't seem like the film festival that would put something one sided in their lineup. I would hope. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I, I feel like it's, it's going to be here because the festival is in Utah, you know, and uh, that that's part of the reason why it would end up at Sundance. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know it. I could see it going one of two ways. I could see it being um, really negative, but it sounds like from the summary, I mean, it sounds actually really positive w- with, and I'm, I'm not saying that negativity isn't it deserved. It is but I just hope it's fair, you know, like that it's, that it's balanced and that, yeah. Um, especially for the, you know, for the sake of the four, you know, young men that, uh, um, that must've been pretty tough for them. I mean, missions hard enough. A mission is hard enough as it is. If you had it being chronicled, oof. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't follow me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, that's why I'm, you know, looking forward to that film. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, like I said, I'm signed up for 39. So my, my, I'm this year, I'm not watching any more tree movies. (laughs) I have a a rule for myself. If I'm not feeling it 20 minutes, I I'm allowing myself to move on to the next one. Uh, because that's, that's my new rule. Uh, and, uh, it, cause most of the time you kind of know by 20 minutes, <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we'll see how many I end up actually, I mean, my most I've ever watched in a festival was 26 last year. So we'll see. I, I, I think it'll be the, I'll set records this year, but, um, are we talking festivals yeah. in general or Sundance specific? Uh, Sundance specific, but I think that is the most I've ever watched at a festival is 26. Um, I don't know. Through 2018, 
think I saw 58 movies at the Toronto International Film Festival. Whoa. Really? Over wow. eight days. Did you sleep? That's so many. No. <laughs> I was staying at a friend's place downtown. Uh-huh. And I distinct- distinctively remember getting up at 6 a.m. every day. My first movie was around 8 a.m. And I think I finished every night between 11.30 and 3 a.m., depending on if I did the midnighter. Wow. I mean, I, was I running did... on four hours of sleep a day. It was, it was brutal. Wow. I did 25 in person at uh, Sundance in um, 2020, because that was before uh before the covid and uh, i i i just couldn't have done more i you know with work and with other things but that's amazing holy cow yeah. <laughs> i did nothing except live at the one like press and industry theater i just i, I lived there i didn't uh-huh. like that was it i didn't yeah. leave that theater pretty much the entire festival i hope we get back there i i'm kind of worried that some people it's never going to be safe enough. It's never going to be enough because yeah. the the COVID it's not going away. It's just going from, it's going to go from pandemic to endemic. It's always going to be something that we'll have to take boosters for and that we'll have a chance of getting. It's, I mean, just like every other virus uh, it's, it's not going away. And I just worry that we are, I guess I am at the point where I do worry that the, is the, um, is the cure worse than the, uh, than the, than the um, plague, but who knows? That's not my decision to make, I guess. So hopefully we'll get back in person eventually. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but for I, now, I feel like in person is definitely here to stay, but I feel like the virtual option will always exist. I'm just worried that with that virtual option always existing, there might be a, and degrade in titles available online only or like online mm-hmm. in conjunction to in person because studios don't want their films to also be available digitally for the festival. So there's always going to be that like great divide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming and previewing these movies with me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun and uh, it'll be fun to follow as we uh, participate in the festival what we end up thinking about these and other movies. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I, I do my daily logs over on my blog. So make sure you're following me over there. And uh, where can people find you and your content? It will be iCrave.net. So just dot net. Great. And, and uh, do you want to share? Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, do you want to share your Twitter? Yeah, it's Dubs Reviews. So D-U-B-S-R-E-V-I-E-W-S. And that's my hashtag. You can find me on that on Instagram and Twitter. Um, All my live reactions will be there as the festival goes on. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check all of that out. Also, make sure you're following me over at Hallmarkies Podcast. We have a lot of fun over there. Uh, covering a different kind of, of small budget film <laughs> <In all Yeah. laughs> but we have a ton of fun check it out and uh, please check out the patron group and merch store would really appreciate your support there and thanks so much i uh, really had a good time and we'll have to meet up after and talk about i uh, will have to do a post uh, 
uh, Sinance episode and check and see what we thought ended up thinking. For sure. Sounds great, Rachel. Yeah. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.